Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher. This is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to welcome back to the show, Rob Hatch. It's been a while since he's been on the show, but he is back. Rob is a speaker, a trainer, a coach. If you're familiar with Owner Media and Chris Brogan, he works with Chris. Chris has also been on the show many times, and I'm excited that Rob is back to talk about his new book, Attention, The Power of Simple Decisions in a Distracted World. And this is a great book and a great conversation that we had. We talk about how it's not just technology that's getting in the way. We were distracted before that, but we dig into the meat of the book about reframing the relationship that you have with the demands on your time and being able to overcome decision fatigue and creating frameworks to be able to focus your attention on what's most important and make small and large decisions that are going to bring you clarity and focus and action towards your goals, which I think we can all agree is something we all need. So I'm going to get out of the way and just say, enjoy this conversation with Rob Hatch. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome back to the show, Rob Hatch. Rob, welcome back. Thanks so much, Eric. Glad to be here. I appreciate you having me. Uh, it's It's been a while. I looked it up. It's been three years or a little over, something like that. But, uh, yes. you know, and, and I know that I I believe in between the time of recording and then uh, now we saw each other at Social Media Marketing World. We did. I believe that was either right after or right before that. You know, the timing, it's been, it's been a weird year, but the, so trying to think of like three years ago is, is kind right, of exactly. crazy, but yeah. Yeah. We've, I think, I think it was afterwards. I think it was actually in 2018 that I made it out there, Yes, uh, but, but I hadn't since so, and, and certainly not anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> Me either. So I, I, I alluded to this being a crazy year, but uh, this, this book that you've come out with attention with an exclamation point. I love that. Attention. Thanks. The power of simple decisions in a distracted world. This is, you know, right up the alley of this this uh, podcast. We talk about being distracted and trying to, and hopefully succeeding in overcoming that. I, I mentioned to you in pre-record that I had talked earlier this week about the two-month social media sabbatical that Dave Delaney had taken. In fact, that's the episode right before this. And so uh, this is kind of a really cool follow up along the same thread. And, and of course, he's talking social media connecting. I mean, he's a he's a networking person. So yes. to take time off of social media and he didn't type, he didn't like cold turkey it. He did. He did still do some nuance here and there and people that have listened to that. And if you haven't go back, but yeah, people that listen to that know that. And and I also know, and, and I think you agree with me, that when it comes to these two most powerful things, or at least, uh, you know, two of some of the most powerful things when it comes to productivity is managing our time and managing our attention, which is what you're addressing in this book and in this conversation. The thing is, is that it's not all about technology. I mean, technology plays a huge part when it comes to it t- time suck and attention suck, <clears throat> but it's not the only factor. No, definitely not. And I I often say that my own brain interrupts me as much as anything. Uh, the the little things that pop into my head, of, oh, I've got to call and renew that prescription. Oh, I've got to call and make an appointment for uh, for my daughter, for the doctor. You know, And I think to myself, or I used to think, well, it's just going to take me a minute and I'll just, I'll just get that done and, and knock it out because I, I would forget otherwise, or I'd worry that I would forget. And what ended up happening or what ends up happening, I think, with those little interruptions is we jump from one thing to the next. And while we're on the call making the appointment, 
we remember something else. We remember something else and, and on and on it goes. And we get so far away from whatever it was we were working on. So yeah, we have to kind of figure out how to handle those interruptions and stop them in the first place and set up some systems and rules for ourselves in the first place, but also understand the value of or the interruption that happens and the value of staying focused on the work at hand. Now, I knew that uh, when you reached out to me about this book, that your name was going to be trusted, <laughs> at least to me, when it comes to the topic of this book. And here's why. Because I, I didn't have to go back and listen to our last conversation to remember something that I learned from that conversation from you, which was in long or or even shorter, uh, focused times when you're working that you would have a pad of paper and a pencil or a pen or whatever, uh, but yeah. a specifically analog tool that as you're doing work and your brain can interrupt you without any technology of its own or, you know, separated or outside of it, something would pop up. Like, again, I've got to make that appointment for my daughter or something like that. Like you just said, you would pull that pad of paper over, write it down and then push it away out of sight, out of mind. And it's at, you captured that thing. You know that you'll come back to it later. And it's a very almost it, it, it fits very much in the vein of what they teach you to do, especially in early um, meditation practice where you allow the thought to happen, but then you allow the thought to pass. And this is you just actively letting the thought pass. In other words, exactly. And that stuck and, with and me in a safe place. Yes. I'm glad that stuck with you. It's, it's, uh, you know, it's my go-to tool for so many things. And it's funny. I was just having a conversation with my son about meditation. He was, uh, he's been exploring, learning it. And it says that his brain is sort of not suited for it because it just gets so flooded with thoughts. But that idea is so helpful that he said that you do have to allow the thought to happen and then let it go. And the next time you come back, you go a little deeper. And in the case of our work and, and staying focused on what we were working on, it's not so much that you get uh, you go you go back even deeper. It's that you can go you can return quickly and know exactly where you were, and you trust that the thought is captured. Yeah, it's it's almost like a billboard when you're driving. You know, you don't want to suddenly see it and then just stare at it the whole time because that's right. going to cause a problem. So it's it's being able to train yourself. To do that, and I, and I think even then, one other uh, addition to that tip that I took was I not only did kind of a catch-all, like okay, not as important, but I want to remember to touch back on that whatever that thing is uh, in the near future. But sometimes my brain would say, okay, well, if you weren't distracted by that, how about this? Here's something right. you've forgotten that's super important for today, tomorrow, or the next day, and you better not forget this one. And I'll say, uh, 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 I've got a more, I've got a higher priority out of sight, out of mind list that I will come back to this list later today. So kind of, you know, the catch all for like on a Friday morning when I've got a blocked out bunch of time to just whip through a bunch of those two minute things and there, and I've already got my list ready to, to do that or these higher priority ones. So. It's great that you sort of that you use it that way. And to your point, the other part of that is to have a time that's set aside to do that work because it is work. It does require your your focus and your attention. It warrants scheduling, you know, 15 minutes at some point during the day to or later in the week to review the list and 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 take care of it or put it in its right place because it is kind of a catch-all and and then you can review it and prioritize it and 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 move it to where you where you need to where you need to move it yeah well and and uh 
that's part of the problem with those thoughts is they they typically aren't just a quick line item on a to-do list. They're often something that you have to do a little bit of thinking about. They're a little bit amorphous. They're they're kind of I'm trying to think of a good example, but I can't. But 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 in other words, it's the seed maybe of a project and not just a two minute thing. But although it appears on the surface of like the tip of the iceberg, it appears yes. as if it's a two minute thing. But you're <clears throat> going to have to spend some time digging and drilling down deeper into it. And so, again, putting it off, it's a good thing that you can actually procrastinate in a positive way and, and put it off. All this goes to prove that. We are not just distractible by technology. We're distractible in and of our own selves. However, technology does play a part in that. I would love for you to maybe paint some of the picture of the state of things and how they are uh, of a distracted mind, a distracted person, a person who is not using their time and attention in this distracted world in the right way. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I'm very familiar with it. So I, you know, uh, and, and, and again, I, I write this book and, and the things that I talk about are largely from working through peer, personal experience. So the idea of, of what, what most people find, uh, very common is this idea of, you know, we don't have alarm clocks anymore and our phone is what wakes us up, which is already, uh, you know, kind of a, an issue because the next thing we do, the second we wake up, if we don't hit snooze, we grab the phone, crack it open and immediately start scrolling as though we're looking for something. We haven't even been awake for, for five minutes and we're already starting to scroll through our email and we justify actions like that because we think we're preparing ourselves for what's to come, you know, well, let me just get a sense of what I'm walking into when I step into my day. I used to say step into the office, but it's not that <laughs> it's not the case right now. <laughs> but when I'm stepping into my day, and so to so the first, you know, five or 10 minutes, we were sort of checking in the email to see what's about to hit. And that right there puts us at in a reactive state to What's in our inbox in in our agenda starts immediately being determined by someone else rather than what I love to do, which is the night before decide exactly how I want my morning to go. Is it does it work one hundred percent of the time? Do I do I you know no you know we all have these moments when we might slip, but more often than not, when I take the time the night before to say this is the way I want my day to go and plan it out, I'm far more likely for that to happen. But no, we, you know, we pick up our phone, we scroll, we, we get ready. Uh, we spend, you know, five or 10 minutes trying to figure out, you know, what, what are we going to wear? Um, is that clean? Is it, where are my socks? Uh, what shirt? Oh, wait a second. That doesn't match. Um, you know, we go through our, our closet looking for something. We jump into the shower, we come out, we check our phones again. Maybe we get into social media. We, we, we find a funny video. We, we stare out for a second, you know, just to get a little chuckle to start the day. Again, we're sort of justifying, well, if I would watch this and I get a little chuckle, I'm starting my day happy. You know, there's all, all manner of, of ways in which we justify how we consume and why we consume all this technology. But really in the first, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of our day, we've subjected ourselves to endless amounts of decision-making, claiming that we're preparing for something that we're not really, you know, we're, every time we read an email, we're subjecting ourselves to a decision we have to make. Should I respond? Should I not respond? How will I respond when I finally get to it? When am I going to get to it? Do I have time for that today? 
uh, I wasn't expecting to do that today. I was hoping to do something else. And all that just that back and forth in our head just goes on and on. And it keeps us from doing our most important work. What ends up happening and what certainly what used to end up happening for me is by entering the day in a reactive mode, by allowing everyone else to kind of set the initial agenda, all the important work got pushed to the end. And I would find myself cramming at the end of the day to get in the things that I wanted to do rather than flipping it and trying to front load it, minimizing all of those interruptions, setting a few simple rules for myself, like not checking email before 10 o'clock in the morning, not checking social media, uh, turning off all the notifications on my phone, except for the most important ones, and just kind of managing it. We do have the ability to program this amazing device to serve us better rather than being beholden to all the notifications. Well, we've all been there, I will say, as, as you kind of painted that picture. Yeah, we tend to forget to use the tool as a tool instead of, I don't know, almost a monkey on our back. <laughs> I was going to say, yes. like, uh, uh, I, I keep picturing, like, the, the the cell phone or the smart devices, et cetera, as, you know, when they do the, it's a sitcom trope where they have, although we've, I've experienced it in real life, where they give you the baby to take care of in high school and you've got to make sure it, it doesn't yeah. cry all the time. It feels like that's what our phones have become. Right. <laughs> that's a really great, I love that picture right there. That's, that's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Uh, so and, and, and I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, and then, uh, and worse than that, then we, we also, you know, spend so much time on it. And we, again, we justify it because, uh, my other favorite justification that I've certainly subjected myself and others is you come across, you know, a, a great Ted talk that relates to everything that you do in your, in your work. And so you immediately say, well, I'm doing research or you found a great article that you're reading and it's research, uh, cause it's related to your work, but that wasn't the time to be doing that work. The research is important, staying informed, you know, on, on, you know, world affairs or national affairs, if that's important to you, then that's important. But how you do it, how you enter it. And you mentioned the, the, the Facebook fast or the social media fast. What I love so much about it is not so much the fast, but the idea of how do we enter these spaces intentionally? I'm going to go here to build relationships with people. I'm going to go here to respond to very specific things or to look for something or, or make a connection, share something rather than getting lost in endless scrolling. And yes. there's a difference. Yeah. Go, going in with intention or, or not just, it's, it's not just the going in. It, it, it's almost like going to war. You know, you're like, okay, I'm going in. No, <laughs> right. it, it's, it's, it's the having the intentionality to decide which thing you're going to use, what you're going to use it for, how long you're going to use it for, and what goal of your life that, that that serves, you know? Yes. And sometimes, you know, this isn't to say that you can't just go there casually, right? But even that can be a decision like my uh, my wife and I used to um, we have had this thing that if we the weekend's coming and it's Saturday and we maybe sleep in a little bit and then you just keep kind of deciding, you know, I'm just going to I'm just going to sleep a little more. But you wake up, say, 1030 on a Saturday and all of a sudden you start feeling guilty because you haven't done anything yet. And it was because we kept that we didn't make the decision the night before that we were going to sleep in. We kind of fell into it. 
but it feels very different if I say on a Friday night, I'm sleeping in tomorrow. My day is going to start at 10 or 11 or whatever it is. Somehow just that decision that it was intentional changes everything and the guilt is gone and I can sleep in and rest with intention and wake up and start my day. So you you can do these things. You can go in and kind of have, you know, I'm just going to spend the next 15 minutes just kind of casually catching up to see what's going on in my family and friends lives and just scroll through and maybe even say, I'm going to watch a few stupid videos. That's fine. But it, it, it is all about that decision, I think, if that makes it that much better to say, this is what I'm doing and this is when it ends. It's helpful. Yeah, I, I think that that's one of the hiccups or the hangups even that, that people that feel like when we talk about productivity, it's all about creating all of this overreaching structure that makes you feel so boxed in. And, and I want to say to some people that sometimes boxing things in really can help creativity and or work by putting, you know, creative restrictions on things. That's kind of how I view doing all of this homework and having all of this, uh, you know, forethought and intention ahead of time uh, put in place is it's it's better to have, you know, a budget for your money than to just willy nilly throw it out. But, Absolutely. You know, I, I try to come up with all these great metaphors, but really uh, I think what you've done in this example is really give a great point is that it's a psychological thing. It's it's that by having said that I am going to sleep in, you have then alleviated the guilt of waking up that late. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you ra- – I mean, we are – this completely other topic for some other productivity show. Uh, I'm sure I've covered it a little bit before. But that, like, not doing things is as productive as doing things often. It's just you have to decide – and or be flexible enough yes. to do that. And that's where the structure comes in. I could not agree with you more. And I, and again, it's about that decision. It's about deciding ahead of time is something I talk a lot about in the book as, as a means to help me set things up and, and be more productive or more successful in whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish, even if that is rest. And, you know, the term self-care gets tossed around a lot as, and for good reason right now, but the thing that I have to always ask myself is, have I decided to do self-care or am I justifying my scrolling by saying it's self-care, right? Because we, we all need a break. We all need to do something like that. And in, and if I'm justifying it, then it's probably not helpful and not really self-care. It's just a justification. It's And that that to me is all the difference. And I totally agree around the idea of structure and, and creativity. I, I think I always think about jazz musicians and, and, and people who are able to completely riff on, uh, you know, whether it's a guitar solo or any instrument. They don't just play random notes out of their brain necessarily. They know and understand the structure of the scales and music and know the, what sound they're trying to, to get out of it. And it's from that structure that then they're able to be creative and expressive. And, and I've always sort of um, found that so fascinating that, that from those structures, whether it's your life and your schedule uh, or just understanding something at a deep level, then you are able to be far more creative. That having that creative structure gives you that ability to creatively uh, riff off of it, but it's because you've got mm-hmm. that structure in place. So I think that one of the things that it really points to, though, and I think you're you're on the same page with me about this, is the fact that 
all that intentionality and the ability to even be intentional and to have done the the forethought is taking the time to have clarity and to clarify priorities so that then those decisions are kind of almost to a point made up ahead of time by you so that you're not reacting, you're acting. Yes. An example of this happened just recently, actually, and my my wife and I were just talking about it as well, that we have a, a rule in our family. She knows that I've set aside blocks of time where I'm trying, where I stay focused, and that if she calls me, I probably won't answer. I've turned off all notifications except for, you know, family, basically. But if she happens to call twice, that's the bat signal that says, hey, this is me breaking through your focus time. I'm, I know you're working, but I know we've we've previously decided that this is what I'm about to tell you is more important. So I'll stop what I'm doing. Now, the framing of that would be, is that an interruption? And the answer is no, because we previously decided that there are certain things that are far more important than whatever it is that I would be working on in the moment. And that previous decision now is a, a deliberate action to go, okay, I'm going to close this. I'm going to shift my focus to the thing that we already decided was at a much greater priority, a family matter, you know, something urgent, you know, maybe, you know, God forbid, it, you know, one of our kids got hurt or something like that uh, or needed something. That's a priority and we want to shift. And see, that changes just even having a rule like that in place where in which you've had conversations about the value of your time and what you're trying to accomplish, but also in managing the interruptions of our brain with, with that piece of paper that we talked about or turning off notifications on our phone and in our computer so that we don't get interrupted that way. But there are ways to break through that with previously established priorities that rise to the level that are far greater than anything you could be doing. Funny enough, I have that exact same rule. Uh, in place. Although my wife kind of, she'll text me occasionally. And, and and that too is like, uh, so I, so what I'll do is if I'm in a focus mode, what I'll do is I will actually put on like, do not disturb on my watch, which then yes. transfers over to the phone. And so, you know, and again, and again, in that moment, if, if two calls came through, it would happen and an emergency, you know, the bat signal that's, would be raised. That is what I love. Actually, that's a great, we were talking about uh, technology and, and setting it up to use it as it's designed or to use its functionality for your purposes. And that is one of Apple's sort of default settings on do not disturb is a second call from someone who's in your priority contacts, mm-hmm. I think it is, yeah, or it favorites. might just be a contact, your favorites, right? So, of course, um, so that suits this rule perfectly that it will cut through. Um, the first call will just go right, you know, will we'll, we'll be silenced, but the second call will break through. And, and I think it's really, really clever. And but an example that if you set up your settings properly and you have certain people in your favorites, you do have to take some time. We were talking about, you know, taking time ahead of time to make these decisions. And that's an area with our technology where we can say, I want do not disturb to be on from this time to this time. Uh, I, when I'm driving, I, I have an, you know, then my phone automatically responds with, sorry, I'm driving. Can't talk right now. If they, if someone texts me, uh, so I don't, so I'm not 10, so I don't, you know, get distracted while I'm driving. Love those features, but you do have to in any software program it to some degree to do the things that you want, which requires a little forethought to say, Hey, 
I don't want to be disturbed then when I'm driving. I don't want to be disturbed between the hours of 8 and 10 in the morning um, or, or whatever it might be. But it's worth it. It's worth it. We're going to talk more with Rob on Focus in a moment. But first, I want to say thank you to the two sponsors that made this episode possible. First up, I want to give you a heads up, actually, that next week's episode is going to be all about my top five productivity book suggestions, because I do get people asking me a lot, hey, what's the next book that I should get? So you're not going to want to miss that. But one of the ways that I get my brain into the right space for studying, for reading, for focusing is Brain FM. Brain FM is music that helps you to improve your focus, your meditation, to relax, and even sleep. And in fact, I use it for all those things. Brain FM uses a science-first approach as they create music that sounds a little bit different and affects your brain differently than any other music. By using that science, it's able to get you into different brain states depending upon what activity it is you want to do or need to do. So if I need to focus on a specific type of task, I first ask which type of task that is, whether that's relaxing or meditating, focused work like writing or processing or being creative or reading like next week's episode will be about. I can then choose that specific type of music and a certain style about it inside the Brain FM app on my desktop or on my iPad, my iPhone. And if there's one that I particularly like, I can download it. I'll also let you in on a little secret is I've been using Brain FM for over two years now, and it by far is the productivity tool that I use the most because I'm using it daily and multiple times each day. You can go try this out for free at beyondthetodolist.com slash brainfm and find out how much of a game changer it's going to be for you like it has been for me. Again, you can go try this out for free. Get a good session in with either a book or sit down with some great headphones and relax Take a nap with it or just pick a specific focused task and see, again, how much of a game changer Brain FM is going to be for you. You can get 20% off your first year and try it for free when you go to beyondthetodolist.com slash Brain FM. This episode is also brought to you by BetterHelp. For a long time, there's been a stigma about going and getting professional help when you need it. A lot of people need it including myself. I have done it. It's not something I'm ashamed of. In fact, I'm proud of doing it. It's also why I'm glad to have BetterHelp as a sponsor, because I believe in what they're doing, that they're providing affordable and convenient professional counseling that can be done right from where you're at. BetterHelp assesses your needs. They'll match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can then connect with them in a safe and private online environment. If by any chance that counselor does not match your needs, they make it quick and easy and free of charge to change counselors if you need to. These licensed professional counselors are specialized in depression, stress, anxiety. I've felt all of those recently. Sleeping, trauma, anger, grief self-esteem, family conflicts, chances are you're dealing with some of these right now. And again, anything you share is confidential. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states, which means they are ready for you as well. And as a listener, you're going to get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com slash beyond. Don't wait. Knowing that you need help is the first step, but the second step is reaching out to BetterHelp at betterhelp.com slash beyond. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash beyond. I can't help but notice that, again, the, the subtitle of the book, The Power of Simple Decisions, 
in a distracted world. Uh, we're kind of talking about simple decisions here a little bit, but I'd love for you to maybe give clarity on what you mean by that term, uh, specifically with the book. Absolutely. I, I, you, you're absolutely right to pick up on the fact that that's what we're talking about. These are not terribly difficult rules to put in place. There are simple decisions we can make. We can set rules for ourselves uh, around we, when we were talking about waking up in the morning. A simple decision that I've made is to not check email from my bed or not check social media from my bed or actually before my focus time ends. So I usually start my two hour block of time around eight or eight thirty in the morning. The goal is to avoid anything that would derail that. So an example would be someone's email that comes in and makes me do something that wasn't on the agenda because I think, oh, you know what, I can just do that right now. But also when I go into my email, I'm subjecting myself to all those decisions. So I don't want to think about those things. I want my mind clear to focus focus on uh on, on the most important work that I've decided the night before. So a simple decision. What are the three most important projects that I want to work on and move forward in that two-hour block of time? I usually choose three. I usually choose 40 minutes apiece for each of them. Once in a while, I'll use two blocks for one project. But more often than not, there's three projects. And I get as specific. This is another simple decision. Be more specific about the project. If I say update my website, that's not specific. If I say, however, write the bio for the about page is a very specific act. And I know exactly what I'm working on rather than trying to, what did I mean by, you know, work on the website? So again, a simple decision the night before deciding what I want to work on. Simple decision to make it a little more specific than work on my website. And in the morning when I get up, the simple decision of not checking my email and not checking my social media keeps my mind free from all the, you know, rabbit holes I could go down or other people's agendas. So these are all simple things. They're not easy all the time, but they're made easier by one, making the decision. And two, as we were talking about before, there are ways in which to set up your technology there's a function right now on, on the iPhone around limiting your screen time. So you have to go through a bunch of different steps to even open certain apps because it'll say, hey, that's not available right now. And, and you can say ignore for 15 minutes or ignore for the rest of the day if you really need to get in there. But it forces you to go through these extra steps to even open it, which is a nice little reminder. This isn't as important as you think it is and that you have to consciously click through to say, no, I actually think it is, uh, or, 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 or that you just, uh, you know, you're ignoring the rule altogether. So all of those things, none of them are particularly profound. They are simple, but extraordinarily powerful for helping you to shape the way that you want to enter the day. And, and, and I, f I think we've sort of forgotten that we can enter the day in silence. We can enter the day having not having to be bombarded with what do I want to wear? What am I going to eat? Uh, is the coffee ready? Who's going to make the coffee? Did you let, you know, who's going to let the dog out? Uh, who's going to feed the dog? You know, whatever it is, it's all those little things that we have to do, but there's so many easy ways that we can set it up to make the day flow much more easily and get right to the work that matters to us. 
in, even if that's just family stuff, it doesn't have to always be work. We, you know, I know we often talk about productivity and that many of these methodologies are often employed to, you know, to accomplish so much and grind through the day and, you know, and push and push. I like to use them as much for rest as, as anything. Yes. Well, anybody who's listened to this show before knows that the, that productivity for me isn't just all about producing something uh, when it comes to work. It's also about producing the results that we want. And those results carry over across every avenue or every, you know, every aspect of life, every hat that we wear in, in our lives. And so that, that applies to self-care, that applies to work and career, that applies to family life, that applies to relationships, et cetera. So, and I, I love, love that. that. Yeah. I also love that in some of the examples you're giving, again, some of them are technology based. Some of them are outside of technology. I'm always kind of in this, you know, the cyborg slash hybrid mode of when can a tool, when can a tool or technology help me and identifying when that, again, those, that technology is actually derailing me and I need to, to eliminate using it, you know, like you, you, for example, you said no social media or email when you first get up. That's not, saying no phone, but it is saying none of those things. Now, probably for most people, that means not grabbing your phone as the first right. thing you do in the morning. But again, it's having that forethought, having ha- having decided that, having made those simple decisions ahead of time. I got to ask, I mean, are you coming at this from a micro level or a macro level? Are you doing any kind of, you know what, things are out of whack. Let's take a take an inventory of all the maybe small habits that I've got to do or undo and, and kind of tweak them one way or the other. Or are you thinking, you know what, I want to spend more time with, you know, on a macro level, I want to spend more time with family and, and drill down deep into that and say, you know what, we're spending a lot of time, even though it can be great, uh, all watching TV together or some of us, or we're all off doing our own separate things. You see where I'm going with this. It's, it's yeah, kinda, absolutely. I, and, I, and I think what I'm alluding to is, is you don't have to go one direction. There's no, there's no silver bullet, one size fits all to this. But I'm asking, like, in your experience, probably, what, you know, what has worked best for you coming at it from a micro or even a macro level or kind of both? Uh, I would say my, my first reaction is both, but one of the... Um things that I talk about in the book is this concept of uh, small, big, small. And sometimes you have to eliminate some of the small stuff that's in the way, you know, it's the, um, you know, the, the, the little things that are stacking up in front of you and to clear them out in order to pave the way for you to see the big opportunities. And if there are little things that are just driving you nuts, if you find that there are little habits that seem to be getting in your way, then then, yeah, you might have to focus on getting getting rid of some of the small stuff that's in the way in order to focus on the big stuff, which is the family stuff that you know, what do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish with my family? Is it, you know, what are the res- what results am I after, um, which is, you know, just better relationships with my kids. And, and what does that look like? So you start to it frees you up to start to think about big and important things. And then you go back to the last small from small, big, small is to go back to, okay, so what does this look like? What are the first steps? How do I set this up? How do I decide what decisions do I need to make? What rules do I need to put in place? Um, What steps do I need to take to make this happen? And, and you, it's, it's a bit of a cyclical thing. And when you were, I love that you were talking about results. I think oftentimes we, don't think out even far enough uh, beyond a year. You know, we might think, oh, I want my business to generate X 
revenue this year. That's one result, I guess. But in the end, we can think so much farther than that. And I think I think it's quite limiting sometimes to even just think about the one year. But even if you were thinking about the one year, if you get that solid picture in your mind, working back to the last smallest to say, okay, so what does that look like each month? What does that look like each week? And what do I need to do today to generate that result um, along that path? I think this is one of those key things that a lot of people don't spend that time on. They, they come up with those big goals. Like you just said, I want to reach a certain you know level of something or other in work or in life. And they don't break it down. They don't ask what has to be, what, how does the world need to be, in other words, uh, for that yes. to be possible or for me to do what needs to be done to make it happen. You know, they can think of some of the initial tasks, maybe, or even some of the, you know, uh, the steps there, but there's the steps are maybe out of order. The steps aren't clarified with the why behind those steps. And, mm-hmm. and again, doing all this, I, like, I like to call it homework, doing all this homework then means that you're ready when the test comes. <laughs> it really, it really does. And, you know, a- along the way, if, if you have done the work to break it down, um, you know, again, let's just pick a, a simple revenue goal for a year, you know, um, like the number I use often is just saying, you know, you want to generate $120,000, something, revenue, salary, whatever. You know, when you start breaking that down to what that looks like each month and each week, uh, and then maybe you have to account for some seasonal fluctuations or something, but you give yourself some markers along the way where, you, where in which you can measure, how am I doing? You know, you, you, you can, one, you can boil it down to the, the steps each day that you think will, will lead you there, but you do have to check in. You have to take time to reflect every so often to say, not just did I hit the number, but am I doing the activities that will generate the result each day? How, how did I do today, you know, on that, on that journey? How did I do this week? You know, I even, I love to take time. I mentioned I plan my next day the night before. Part of that process is to look at what I accomplished and I've started accounting for that as much as I can. Uh, even the things maybe that didn't get written down that just sort of happened. Maybe it was a uh, spontaneous, you know, basketball game with my daughter uh, for, for a half hour. I just decided instead of, you know, taking a, a long lunch, I took a shorter one and I went out and, and played basketball. Uh, that's an accomplishment to me. That that falls into the, I spent time with my, my family category. And I, and I think I, I want to celebrate that a little bit. I want to make sure that I, I take a moment to say I did that because I I've definitely been in a situation where I felt so busy and I thought I was neglecting my, my family for that with all that busyness. But in the end, when you start to look at what you're doing, you find that you're probably not, you know, if you're family oriented in general, uh, you, you're probably doing more than you think was, was what I ended up finding out when I really looked at it. So I like to account for those things. And, and I kind of get a little, I get a nice push from what I've, what I've done rather than beating myself up on what I haven't done. I, I, lo- I like to sort of leverage the, the, the small wins into bigger wins or even just to another small win. Eventually they're going to add up. Yes. Many bricks building a yes. wall. Love it. Uh, and that's uh, I, we're kind of talking also, again, a, a little bit around or dancing around a little bit of the uh, the thought of uh, creating systems uh, in, in. And I know that you're you're all about that as well. 
Yeah, one of my favorite systems is uh, is the Action Stacks, uh, which I've used for years now. I had a, a good friend, Ron Hood, who has worked with me in a, a couple of different scenarios, and he's an, an amazing systems person. And he always said, if it if it if you do it more than twice, it needs a system, and that accounts for everything. If I get an email from someone on a regular basis, they that needs to go to a place. It doesn't need to hit my inbox. So I, I create filters often, uh, which is a great system for uh, managing my email. And I know that that's something that you, uh, you know, you talk, you've talked about in the past about how, how do you deal with your, your inbox. And, and the, the idea that, that when something comes in, if it's coming in, say, from my wife, I want it to go, I don't need it to hit my inbox. It'll go to a folder that's labeled with her name. If it's from a business partner, it's going to go to a folder labeled with his name. And when I go to my inbox, I look to those first as my priority rather than being subjected to a million different little things in my inbox. So it helps to keep that less cluttered. But the action stacks are one of those tricks I can play with my brain. So for example, I I, I often am the person who loads up all of our webinars and sends out, I do all the backend work for the webinars for our organization. I can do it in my sleep. I can do it I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times and I know all the steps and I could probably recite them to you, but I will, when I start the process, it'll be step one, step two, step five. Oh crap. Step three, step seven. Oh crap. Step. So I'm my brain will jump around and eventually I'll probably get them all. But I, instead an action stack is a, is a simple repeatable plan for an activity that I do on a, you know, on a frequent basis. So I do webinars two or three times a month. All I have to do is pull out the action stack and I go and I follow along and check off the boxes as I go. And I, that way I know I haven't missed a step and I can relax. My brain can relax. I don't subject it to all the extra energy and, you know, expending creative thinking about how to, uh, you know, for how to do something that is so simply uh, just a, a step-by-step process. And you haven't had to, you know, is it, this isn't, this isn't true with all things, but in this instance and a lot of other instances, you haven't had to spend the time creating the muscle memory to do it. You can, and, and even the muscle memory, it, it, actually what, what I'm saying is, is that it's almost easier for the muscle memory to be, habitualized and that be you following the, the the stack versus you having to consciously um you know try to list it out like you were trying to and failing to um, yes you know yeah it's it's it, it's it, having that set up ahead of time it really is it's 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 a it's a again it's something it's a repeated process that i know all the steps for but I, why would I spend any energy trying to remember the order of the steps um, or any energy worrying about whether or not I remembered each step? Like, just think about those two things for a second. We do it all the time. It, it's for little things. And it seems here again, it's so simple. These are simple decisions. It is, you know, it takes a little work ahead of time to, you know, get a piece of paper out and a pen. And as you're going through something that you do repeatedly, write down each step. Uh, you can keep it on a piece of paper. You can use technology. I actually, people, I know people have used Evernote for action stacks. Uh, 
I use Google Keep. One of the things I like about Google Keep is that as you check the box, it disappears and then you can uncheck all all the items. And so they're back and restored to uh, their previous state, which is nice. So I, I pull up at my Google Google Keep. I open up the stack for webinars and I just check off the boxes and I don't have to expend any energy thinking about it. It just gets done. The, the time that you spent setting it up that one time when you finally realized this was the way to quote the Mandalorian. This is the way. Yes. yes uh, <laughs> that by doing it that way and setting it up that way, you never had to be as conscious about it ever again. It was literally checking boxes versus, you know, putting in time to memorize it. And it's a small thing, but it's, but it's also one small decision. It's a simple decision and a small decision that leads to you saving time, energy, et cetera. And it's, and it's kind of couched inside of a big decision of being able to be more effective, spend less time, less energy on things, and, and then intentionally spend that time and energy and clarity of thought on the more important things um, later. Yeah, and, and it, it, exactly. And it's in service of so many larger goals. Um, so I got rid of something that was in the way all the time of trying to figure out and make sure I did everything by setting up the system. I got rid of the small stuff. I made a simple decision, set up a simple system so I could focus on the bigger goal, which is we, we generate these webinars as part of our overall, you know, it's service to our members. And, you know, we, we sell uh, webinars as part of uh, one of our memberships or both of our memberships groups at owner media. And, and so it's all in service to that. And I, I just wanted to make it that much easier uh, for myself and, and to make sure I could get it done because, you know, it's not fun to do all that stuff. That's the other thing is you can action stacks are so great at making something that's not terribly exciting or creative. Um, just it's almost like automating your brain a little bit and it allows you to kind of, I don't want to say go through the motions, but this is not something that requires a lot of creative energy and I'd rather spend energy thinking about more important things uh, and, and more creative things like coming up with the topics for the webinar and, and writing the writing newsletters and writing books. That That's far more important um, where a place to spend that energy than on the setup of a webinar. Yes. Spending the energy where it actually needs to be spent doing something creative versus uh, administrative. So <laughs> exactly. There's so much more we could talk about, but ultimately, uh, I want to just push push people to the book, which is out now. Uh, where's the best place for people to find out more or go grab it? Yeah, actually, you can go to robhatch.com slash attention, and it uh, that's the, the book's page. Uh, and there are links there to pretty much any place that you like to buy your books. Uh, Amazon is always a great place to find it as well, wherever you are you know, residing. Uh, but, but yeah, robhatch.com slash attention. Awesome. Rob, great talking with you and hopefully we'll do it again sooner (laughs) than this time. Yes. Thank you very much. (laughs) I really, really appreciate you having me. Uh, always great to connect and talk with you. Thank you very much. 
Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to-do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Rob Hatch. I know that I always love talking with Rob. If you found this conversation helpful, would you do me a favor of sharing it with somebody you know needs to hear it? You can do that by hitting the share button wherever you're listening to this in that podcast player app of choice you're using, or head on over to the show notes at beyondthetodolist.com, and you can click the buttons to share it from there. Thanks so much for sharing. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next episode.